0: Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based breathwork facilitator, healing guide, and today I have an interview for you with Lex Ritchie of Day's Eye Tarot. And before I tell you a bit about Lex and what we talk about, I also just want to share that it's Indigenous Peoples Day today. And please check out Alan, who is at Lil, L-I-L, Native Boy on Instagram, who's going to be uplifting multiple Indigenous people and organizations all day. So please do check them out and redistribute as you're able to follow, support, uplift, Um, I also wanted to shout out the Indigenous Environmental Network, who I have a monthly recurring donation to, and they're an alliance of indigenous peoples whose mission it is to protect the sacredness of Earth Mother from contamination and exploitation by strengthening, maintaining, and respecting indigenous teachings and natural laws. So I'll link to Allen and the Indigenous Environmental Network in the description. And if you don't know whose land you're on today, it would be a really good day as well to find out and find out how you can support those peoples. Um, so I'll link in the description as well a tool to help you figure that out if you don't know. So, today's interview is with Lex Ritchie, who uses they-them pronouns, and they are a tarot reader and folk magician of Day's Eye Tarot. They are chronically ill, neurodivergent, and a queer mystic, and they approach tarot as a radical practice rooted in the hidden-in-plain-sight tradition of cartomancy of the working class and backcountry kitchens of their ancestors a skill gained through connection, practice, and cunning. They use tarot as a folk art to help you discover and nurture the root of your own authority to think, act, and create in and for your own life so you can take the kind of intentional action you need to achieve your dreams. So we talk about their journey, of course, of coming to work with the tarot and magic, how they work with the tarot as folk art, folk magic as a tool for people's power, Tarot as a tool to connect with personal power, the court cards and power hierarchies, bringing it back to the elements with tarot to reflect lived experience, how to work with the tarot to make empowering choices, centering yourself in the present moment, connecting with and activating your magic and creating more powerful spell work by using your magic, honoring the Wheel of the Year holidays and then we talk a bit about a few different tarot cards and um, the swords in the tarot since it's libra season lex talks about three of swords eight of swords we get into devil card um so it's a really really good episode if you're wanting to connect more with your personal power if you're wanting to learn more about working with tarot about folk magic um, i'm excited to to share this conversation with you and it also feels like good timing to let you know that the Samhain breathwork ceremony is happening on November 1st at 11 a.m eastern over zoom. Samhain begins on the eve of Halloween, so October 31st at sunset through the following day sunset. So this is a holiday that's halfway through the autumn equinox and the winter solstice And it really honors death and dying. So everyone lives in a different place, right? But here in Philadelphia, I can see this process unfolding around us, right? It's getting dark. Yesterday I looked at the sky and it was like 6.50 and I was like, wow, it's like pitch black out. It's getting dark earlier. Sunlight is fading faster every day there's tons of leaves on the ground the leaves are changing colors and shedding um so this isn't like a theoretical like oh sounds about death it's like no we're really in dying season like nature is literally dying around us in the northern hemisphere anyways um and this season to me is really for honoring what has been lost and what continues to die within us and outside of us and how we grieve and mourn and honor aliveness through death um You've probably heard many people say this, but it's also said that the veil between the physical world and the spirit world is thinnest at this time, allowing for, you know, greater communication with quote-unquote the other side, ancestors, guides, those who have passed. Um, The focus of our breathwork ceremony is really going to be on release, grieving, and ancestral healing. So if you've never come to one of these breathwork ceremonies before, we start with a grounding meditation, I share a bit about salin and channel a message through the tarot for the group, and then I guide you through a deep breathwork experience. And you'll also receive a salin ritual that you can do after the ceremony or whenever you like so there's some early bird pricing that ends on October 23rd and 10% of the proceeds are going to be going to the herbal mutual aid network which is a grassroots organization providing free plant-based care for black people seeking support due to the ongoing crisis of racial violence and injustice so we're gonna get witchy it's every witch's favorite holiday, I feel like. I mean, that's a generalization. That's not actually true. But I do love Samhain. <laughs> um, so come. I'd love to see you there. Let's breathe. Let's heal. Let's, um, let's heal ancestry. And let's be in, in community together. So link is in the description, of course, if you want to join for that. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Lex. So I would love to hear about your journey to working with magic and working with the tarot.
1: Yeah, so I've had sort of a complicated journey. Um, I grew up in a family that, where the extended family was very Catholic, um, but my parents chose not to have me or my siblings baptized. Um, And so I like to say that I was, uh, I grew up Catholic adjacent. (laughs) So I got to experience a lot of the mysticism and the ritual of Catholicism without the God part. Um, And I was actually, I was an atheist for a very long time. Um, When I was very young, my mom bought me a book called Jesus is always with you and little six-year-old me thought that was creepy as fuck. And I was <laughs> like, well, then I don't believe in Jesus because if I don't believe in him, that means he's not always with me. <laughs> and, uh, and so my second grade, I was like, well, if I don't believe in Jesus, I might as well not believe in God. That was, that was my second grader logic. So I, um, was not religious or spiritual or anything for a very long time Um, but i was always seeking that source of meaning Um, and that led to me in college i studied philosophy um, as my minor and i was very interested in ethics and how we understand what we're meant to do on this earth and how we orient ourselves towards one another. Uh, But ultimately that didn't really shift my spiritual beliefs. I was still very much an atheist or agnostic. And then I got to a point, you know, I I was studying science and I found myself in an engineering graduate program Uh, trying to get my PhD. And I am, I'm not good with authority. And basically, you have to be good with authority to get your PhD. So like, suffice it to say, I was, that was very, very against my nature. Um, And so a few years into that, I reached this point where I felt so disconnected from myself and from what I felt like I should be doing in my soul that I just started exploring. And I finally came back to tarot. I'd been introduced to tarot um, by one of the, the grandmothers in my community. Uh, she, she was a tarot reader and she'd shown me tarot. and. I thought it was neat and I played with it for a while when I was a teenager, uh, but it never stuck as a practice until I was in that graduate program. And it was what I needed to help guide me back into myself, into what I felt I needed and ought to be doing and and into something that was much more in alignment with my actual gifts here in the world. Um, yeah that's that's the condensed version (laughs) (laughs) yeah and thank you for sharing
0: I mean I had such a big smile when you were saying like you were second grade and you were in second grade and you're like that's creepy (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) it is pretty creepy I think (laughs) um but yeah I mean I'm so glad that you found tarot and have this practice and have this beautiful offering that you give to the world through your work. And I mean, while we're talking about your journey, I'm curious as to how your background and your identities as well shape your approach to the tarot and the way
1: that you work with the tarot. And I guess with that, what is your approach to the tarot? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, those highlights that I just hit on in terms of how I came to this work are very much present in the way that I work with the tarot. So I work with the tarot as a folk art um, that allows us to access magic, and specifically folk magic, a magic that, that arises from a collaboration between ourselves the the you know essence of us within us and the nature around us and our life experiences and the experiences that we've inherited from our ancestors be they ancestors of thought of affinity or of blood right that that's how i view folk magic it's it's a weaving of all these things and that folk approach is Tied to the way I learned tarot. I learned it from a woman who was in my community um, and who offered it as a service of her own inborn knowing, right? And the way she taught it, um, or well, the way she knew tarot was, I would say, fairly more traditional. and. as fascinating as I found the cards at that young age, you know, I, I was a baby queer, I was neurodivergent, and I, as was she, from a working class background, right? And the cards, the way they were presented in this traditional context did not reflect that lived experience and it's one of the reasons why i didn't continue my journey with tarot beyond those initial you know uh sort of transgressive teenage flirtations with it um because it didn't reflect my lived experience so i believe that that tarot is this tool that arises from this collaboration of where we are at where we've been and who we are and if your tarot isn't reflecting that, you should be working to align it with that. There was another thread I wanted to leave in here. Yeah, um, please. But I have, it has, um it seems to have sprung from my brain. Uh, <laughs> but I like what I said there, so we can just go with that. <laughs> no worries, just pop it in if it comes back to you. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> um,
0: but no, I really appreciate what you shared about folk magic. I mean, when I think about folk magic, to me, that's like the people's magic. That's exactly what you were saying, yes. that we
1: source from our ancestors, from nature, from our own inner oh, knowing. Yes, here we are. Here's the, the final <laughs> thought I wanted to bring. Perfect. Home. Um, so, you know, related to it being a people's magic, folk magic is a magic for people's power. It's, it's magic for, for personal power. If you think about the way that it arises, it is returning or exercising the power that we have at an individual level that, to a certain extent, we're raised not to believe that we have, um, which is why I believe so strongly in folk magical approaches and approaching tarot folk magically. Mm.
0: And how for you has working with the tarot helped you connect with and grow and step into your connection to your own power? I'd love to hear a little bit about that process.
1: It's, I honest, so I'll just, I mean, it's such a, that's such a huge question for me because how, how hasn't it helped me do Mm -hmm. that? Right? Like when I was in this graduate program, I was, what I was doing was I was following this narrative of how my life ought to be. You know, I was raised from a very young age, like, you know, you don't let anybody know you're queer, you don't, you know, drop your Gs, don't talk like a hick, like ain't ain't a word, Um, because, and it was all very well-meaning, right? Like all of the kids, who the teachers perceived, right, to be intelligent enough to make it out of this small town I was growing up in, like, where it was drilled into us, you know, that we have to talk and behave in this very normative way, or else we won't succeed in life. Um, And so I was following this path that was put before me, and it took me so far from my life experiences and all of these things that, that give me power in, and give me agency, the agency to choose to view myself as being at choice in my life, um, and actually an agent who can be active in living my life. Um, tarot has returned that sense of power that is that is at the essence of our actual personal power and ability to affect change in this life um and i like honestly tarot has been the tool that has helped me do it like it has been the single biggest tool that has helped me do that so it's it's been a total transformation of my life to be totally honest
0: yeah that's incredible i mean That's how I feel as well, like not just with tarot, but with other healing modalities as well. But everything, it's like a complete transformation of my life that I'm so grateful for, Um, but never could have guessed or predicted (laughs) like 10 years
1: ago. (laughs) Yeah, it's because we're raised to not think that we have this power or that we can access and make these changes. And when we experiment with tools that that give us hints and glimpses and and, then just, you know, show us a little shimmer of power and and sort of take us in baby steps towards it, it opens up a whole new world.
0: Yeah, which can also kind of speak to why perhaps Um, people who practiced folk magic and these kinds of tools and practices were not respected Had those tools stolen, um, were literally killed for practicing them like in Europe. And um, yeah, people in power don't want us to be empowered, right? They don't want us to remember that and wake up to that, which this is kind of a tangent, but I was just thinking about this the other day, looking at the court cards in the tarot. And I love these archetypes so much, but I was like, this is really gross that they're named after like a royal court, right? Like this is not for the people. This is not um, reflective of our experiences, certainly. And I was just kind of grossed out by it. And I never really thought about it before. So I guess I'm just wondering, like, do you, I know there are lots of decks that refer to the court cards as different names or like, what do you think about that? How do you connect with these archetypes that are like literally royalty? Are named after royalty, do you rename them or how do you like frame that
1: in this context of tarot for people? For our, yeah. So, personally, um, when I'm reading, what I will do is I will read whatever the deck has written. Um, And so that means often I am using page, knight, king, queen. And you know, I recognize that there that language itself is a barrier. But when I'm actually interpreting the cards, um, what I do is I I like to return to the elemental essence of the cards. Um, so all of the court cards are double-elemented. And I think that this is a super essential aspect of the tarot because it represents this collaboration and um, these elements acting as accomplices and it also challenges us to expand our notions of duality um so duality comes in in so many ways in the tarot um but and we often think of it as like um you know earth as opposed to air or fire as opposed to water right but what if we think about and earth-earth duality as in the case of the um, page of pentacles how does earth beget earth how does earth aid and grow and develop earth how do they collaborate and deepen Um, and thinking about what an earth-earth action or orientation towards life looks like so that is my And there's a ton of different ways to approach the court cards um, in non-hierarchical ways. Um, I actually have a live on IG live on my Instagram about this, um, but where I cover all the ways. But my, my favorite is this, like, let's go back to the elements and look at the elements as accomplices and collaborators with one another.
0: i love that elements as collaborators with one another that's really beautiful um often i'm working with the court cards as well as like back to their elementation and i think it's really interesting how at least for me personally when i bring it back to that place for each of those cards the. The information that comes through and their meanings shift a lot from sort of the traditional meanings or what I was taught the cards mean, um, which is beautiful, right? When we can find that for ourselves and uh, find what it means for us.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it it really brings it back to you know the way I view the tarot. Like if the tarot is not reflecting your lived experience, then the tarot is not a tool for you. Um, But that doesn't mean that the tarot can't reflect your lived experience. Like the tarot has been continually invented and reinvented from the time, you know, 500 years ago when it was first invented in an Italian court, you know? Um, So join, you know, you should be joining in this tradition of inventing and molding this tool and reimagining what it can mean for you. And to bring it back to the elements is to bring it back to something that we all experience something that is very very primal to human experience in general throughout time and it just makes it feels very necessary and very essential right now to do that
0: yeah i mean i love that tarot is like a living tradition as something that's alive and we're all shaping it in the ways that we use it the ways that we share it the ways that we create it i mean with all of the amazing decks and tarot art that is being created now and has been it's yeah not something that's static or stagnant right thank you for sharing that
1: yeah of course
0: and I think I want to go back to what you were talking about around tarot for personal power and you talked about like creating choice and Um, I know you sent me this beautiful zine that you have, and I assume that people can find it on your website as well, and I can link to it in the description, but um, in the zine you talk about using tarot for choices, and I would just love to hear if there's anything you want to offer here about that, Um, using tarot to create your vision to make choices that are aligned with that.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in that zine I talk a lot about questions and how to ask them and i really think that it comes back to that is is asking good questions which you know is not a perfect piece of advice right like like we don't ask good questions right away and it takes a lot of practice to ask really good questions Uh, i mean i've been practicing asking good spiritual questions for like four years now and I'm I still struggle with it but it is so important that we ask questions that empower us to take action right like if we're worried about all of like there's so many things we could be worried about when we come to the tarot deck especially you know in COVID times especially in times when so much is changing societally There are a lot of externals that we might have on our brains when we're bringing a question to the tarot. Not that those externals aren't an important part of the context to bring to the tarot, but it is so essential that you center yourself and your ability to make change um, when you ask your questions. And I I think one of the most important ways that I find to help find those good questions or or a direction for good questions is to let yourself find yourself in the moment. So the present moment in my practice is a really, really important part of approaching the tarot, finding yourself in the present moment puts you at the intersection of reality and your ability to influence reality. So if you center yourself not in what can, you know, how can I affect this future thing or how can I, um, get this certain thing to happen, right? but you ask instead, what is within my power to respond to this situation? You will find, at least in my experience, you will find the cards responding in a way that empowers you towards further action instead of entrenching you in, in a fixed way of approaching life. And, you know, when you when you approach cards in a fixed way, you get fixed answers Um, when you approach it from the center of your power and the center of your ability to influence reality. You get answers that support your transformation and change. Mm.
0: How do you like to center yourself in the present moment? Like, is there a go to practice or practices
1: for you? So, for me, it is very much about breathing and noticing where my thoughts are, right? I notice if they're in the past, if they're in the future, or if they are here in the present moment, right? So, like, if they're—I can be mulling on something that happened previous in the day, I can be anticipating that something that will happen, you know, off in the future, or maybe I have an ache or a pain, and so that is keeping me like really present in the moment with my body, right? Um, but wherever it is, I notice that. And then I envision my thoughts as a piece of string, right? And wherever they might be, they weave this like huge intertwined web. And once I can see that web, I take the string of my thoughts and I like wind it up like a ball of yarn until I find myself, all of my thoughts collected here in the moment. And you know, that might not be a practice that works for everybody. Not everybody has a brain that works in the same way. I find that's especially true for things like grounding meditations. so yeah that's what works for me and uh, i encourage people to experiment with different ways of finding themselves in the present um because that's how you find what works
0: yeah i love that with the ball of yarn that's really cool and also fascinating and amazing how everybody's brains and bodies work so differently and different things work for all of us um, yeah
1: it's really true and you know maybe this is partially the scientist in me, but like, I love, I always tell people, you know, you have to experiment. When I'm talking to my tarot students, you know, I can offer them perspective and I can tell them what I do. Um, but if they're not willing to actually go and try something and notice how they feel, what results from them when they do that, and then modify that until they refine it into something that works for them, right? Then they're not going to hit on that thing that really, truly lights them up. Like, this process of coming to know yourself spiritually and developing spiritually is really just a big experiment. Mm. Um, yeah, and uh, in my my policy is it's not woo that works for you. So that's
0: perfect. And <laughs> I mean, I think we're sort of getting there already and you're touching on it, but something that I've seen you talk about on Instagram is about connecting to your own unique and authentic soul magic. And I think I just love if we could talk about that. Like, what what does that even mean? Like, what is our soul magic and, or at least to you, um, what is that and, and that process?
1: Yeah. So to sort of, build out my um, cosmology of folk magic, if you will. Um, I've sort of hinted at it already, but to get explicit about it, I view folk magic as having like three essential parts. And those parts are nature, so the nature that surrounds us, uh, perhaps the nature that we grew up with as children, um, things like that. And then we have our ancestors. So both ancestors of the blood, ancestors of affinity, ancestors of thought. And then we also have our magic. Our magic is an essential part of these three portions of folk magic. Um, And that reason is, is that we're physically here in this earth. And That means that we can physically make changes that other people, or other spirits, right? Other nature spirits, other ancestral spirits, they can't make those changes because they're not physically present here. Uh, But I find that the soul magic portion is the hardest for people to access. Um, People are so ready to see that magic Comes from these external sources uh, but they don't really trust that they have magic that comes from within so that's why i talk so much about soul magic
0: mm, yeah i appreciate that a lot i think i think it's not hard to see why we so readily and easily accept magic and trust magic in other things and less so in ourselves i think Yeah, at least for me, it's pretty easy to see how a religious upbringing um, has sort of created that idea. And even I think for people who, like religion is just part of our society and it has bled into everything in the United States, I think regardless of whether you were explicitly raised with it or not, that idea, um, yeah, that the magic is definitely outside of you. But it's here
1: too, and that reclaiming yeah and not only is it here it's it's an essential part of making effective magic.
0: Mm, yeah, do you work with spell work at all in your practice?
1: Yes, um in a way that is not i so a lot of spell work is highly ceremonial and very formal. And so um, that's, that's what a lot of people expect, I, I guess you could say, um, but I, I am informal in all things and mm-hmm. so um, my, in, my spell work is informal as well, and um, sort of the lines between a spell and a ritual and a spirit working or trance for me in my practice, don't necessarily have very hard boundaries. Um, and so when I'm working, so when I talk about soul magic a lot, I'm talking about my soul magic sessions. And in my soul magic sessions, I do have like a system that I take people through to help them craft a spell for um, a given uh, wheel of the year holiday. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still, um, It's not structured in the way where you have to call on the four elements or the four corners or you have to welcome in deities, right? These are all things that we can work in or not according to the desires of the person that I'm working with because that's part of the soul magic is honoring your own soul knowing. And when you get those nudges like, I I would like to include this, then you include it and that you don't have to question it right? It's, it's about honoring that knowing.
0: Yeah. And I always think that working with, I mean, first of all, working with spells and rituals and anything informally is so much more accessible. And I find my practice getting more and more and more informal over the years. And it's just like evolving in that direction, which feels really good. Um, and fuck, I forgot the other thing I was going to say about that. <laughs> same page here Um, uh, okay maybe it'll come back to me later but (laughs) sure it will oh this is it um it's always more powerful when it's sourced from you it's so much more powerful to create something that is resonant for you than it is to do the exact thing that someone else shared on a blog post or something like I think those things are great to like inspire our own practice absolutely but it's so much more powerful when it's resonant for you and coming from you.
1: Oh yeah. I, I totally agree. and that's what that's why I talk about soul magic because, because like it, this is the stuff like it not only does it help you access your power, but it helps you make real magic that you, and expand your magic, right Like when we can work effectively on our behalf in collaboration with the spirits you know, that might be external to us, whether they be ancestral or of nature, we bring more magic to the table and it makes the spell bigger.
0: Mm.
1: And the other thing I like to think about is if you're only relying on magic that comes from outside of you, whether that is a spell that is written by somebody else, or if you're only calling upon external spirits to do your spell work, you're not weaving anything of yourself into the spell. So it's not, ju- it's just not going to affect you as much. It doesn't have as much of you in it to change. Um, which of course is part of the reason why it's scary. It's not just because we don't believe that we have the magic or that we don't believe that we are powerful enough to create the change. It is also because we, when we open ourselves up like that, what we we open ourselves up to change. Uh, We make ourselves vulnerable. And so it's also scary for that reason. Oh yeah, (laughs) for
0: sure. I feel like this whole year has been a in-depth exploration of my relationship to change (laughs) and how scary that really is. Yeah, Um, that really resonates. You mentioned when you talked about your soul magic sessions about the nature based holidays. And I'd be curious to hear what your connection is to those holidays, this wheel of the year and and maybe why you honor it or why you work with them. So
1: I work with the wheel of the year because it broadly aligns with the holidays where I am physically based. Um, I, I suppose I should say it broadly aligns with the changes of the season, like the, the way the the world changes and shifts throughout the year. Um, I'm based in like the remnants of the Great Black Swamp in Northwest Ohio, and we have four seasons. And those shifts as we move through the year are broadly similar to the Wheel of the Year holidays. Um, I also have a long, you know, family history of, um, you know, in my ancestry, there's a lot of people from the Appalachian Mountains, uh, where certain of these folk holidays were practiced for a number of years. Um, After folks settled there, they carried them from, you know, the British Isles, um, when they Came and settled in the U.S. Um, I also honor them because they have such a large part in our sort of collective imagination, Mm -hmm. Um, right? Not all of these holidays are necessarily honored in all of my like ancestral backgrounds, but all of them are honored in some way in one of those. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so they don't, they're, yeah, they're not perfect, right? But they are a gateway, and I think they're a very important gateway back into natural cycles and into, old, you know, older ways of being, things that our ancestors might recognize. Um, and into collaboration with nature. So it really weaves together those three things. Um, and I think, especially um, because the Soul Magic sessions are aimed at helping people come to know their magic, the accessibility of those holidays is important um, to me because they're a place where so many people start out. Mm. Yeah. Right? Like just because everyone does it doesn't make it not magical. <laughs>
0: Yeah a lot of that feels really resonant for me. I mean these holidays do feel like to me like a weaving together with nature like an honoring of a time that's outside of the literal calendar and that is nature-based and seasonally based and it also aligns with my surroundings right I live in Philadelphia. And so we also have these four seasons. And so as the holidays are coming through, like that's reflective of my experience of the nature around me. Um, And they also feel like connection to my European ancestors and England and Germany, Ireland, all of those places I have ancestors from. So yeah, I just wanted to ask you about that. Um, So thank you. Mm -hmm. I'd love if we could talk a little bit more about Tarot, because I'm <laughs> um, this episode, like we talked about, is probably likely going to be out in October, so Libra season, and um, so I thought maybe we could talk a bit about some of the cards that are associated with that time with this archetype of Libra, um, and the swords are coming to mind for me with that association with the element of air and Libra being an air sign. So is there anything that you want to share about your connection to the swords or what the swords mean to you?
1: So many things. This hmm. suit has been... My understanding of this suit has followed such a wonderful evolution, right? The The cards are very scary when illustrated in a traditional deck, um, which is of course how I first approached them. Um, But I actually, I have a tattoo on my back of the Three of Swords, um, or it's sort of roughly inspired by the Three of Swords. Mm. Um, And, you know, you've got the Three of Swords and it has those three swords piercing that heart and it looks like a card of heartbreak, and it looks like a card of upset. And so often it is read as a predictor of future heartbreak and future upset. But it's also, because the three is not the end of the suit, it is not the final number, you choose to go on after the three of swords. So it is a card of seeing all of the pain and hurt that happens in this world and choosing to say yes to the world and yes to living. Um, it is, it is choosing to face down what is hard about life and continue and continue to offer magic and joy to the world. And it's, it's essentially for me, a card of of healing and of, of looking at the ways that the world has maybe hurt you and still saying, I wanna be a part of this world and I believe that this world can be different and can be better, more just. Um, yeah, so I have, and it's, you know, that healing is so important. Um, that choice to heal is so important. So I have the tattoo of the, the Three of Swords and another card, of the sword suit that's really meaningful to me is the Eight of Swords. And I feel like it's so much right now, the Eight of Swords is what we're being asked to do in, in so many ways. we we live in a capitalist society, we live in a colonialist society, a patriarchal society. Uh, we live in a white supremacist society and those combined, intertwined isms are this web of swords that, that we see depicted in the cards. It is the cage that threatens us. Um, but it's just a cage. It's, it's a cage in appearance only. It is a cage built on these structures of thought right? These white supremacy, uh, capitalism, they have a real physical manifestation in the world now, yes, but once upon a time, they were just thoughts. They were just ideas of how the world might be organized. And there was a time before these thoughts and ideas. There was a time before these cages. And these cages are in fact just cages of thought. Uh, And we can, we can work with that. We can walk forward. We can take the blindfold off. And it's, I feel like so much right now. We are being asked to do that over and over and over and It is a powerful choice every time and every time it is a choice for healing and a choice for justice and a choice for a better better world. So I personally will do it every time as hard and as scary as it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, that feels a lot like how we have to divest internally from capitalism, white supremacy, all of these things, patriarchy in our bodies and our hearts and our minds. And that's part of the work, right? Of yes. actually physically breaking down these systems of creating a new world. Like that has to be part of it. Yes. Yeah, I had never thought about the Eight of Swords as that. So that's really beautiful. And the Three of Swords too. Um, I'd
1: love that you have that tattoo. Yeah, it's the—it's actually the Three of Swords and the Devil kind of artistically imagined together. So. Mm.
0: You want to talk about the devil then?
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, we can talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, what's up with the devil? (laughs) Um, So for me, uh, when I was first picking tarot back up as an adult, the devil came up so much, and it felt like such a taunt because at the time I was studying science, and, and the devil is this card of, you know, all of the, the awful things that will happen when you choose to follow the path of, of magic, when you, when you choose to follow the path that your heart lays out, especially when you're a queer person, right? And, um, yeah, choosing that path, choosing to be a tarot reader, choosing to be open about my queer identity was was the devil card for me and to have that card come up and i every time it came up it was like yes i am going to make this deal with the devil i am going to follow my heart i am going to say fuck all of these standards and like these boxes that were handed to me that keep me small um and that is ultimately what the card's about, it is about look for me, it is about looking at the way your life is, the the things that keep you hemmed in, right, like those those nooses around the necks of the, the two figures in the card, they can remove those, you can step outside of that box that you were given, you don't have to be hemmed in by it, and you know what, you can, if it makes your heart sing, you can make that deal with the devil, because you don't know you know the magic that's on the other side of the devil well first you have the tower but then you have the star right and and then you have the sun afterwards and you have all of these amazing seriously magical cards that happen after you you look at that and say yes to it
0: yeah that saying yes i really resonate with the idea of devil as a liberation card um that's what it feels like you're speaking to as well, like getting yes. free through that process of following your heart and letting that lead. Mm-hmm. I have one more tarot question for you. <laughs> it's kind of a fun one. Um, is there a card that you feel like you're being or embodying at this moment
1: in your life? That is, that's a, it's tough to say. <laughs> um, I, I have so many cards that right now that I'm being challenged to grow through. Mm. Um, but oh, let's see, you know, so like I'm, I'm in my chariot here, um, right now and, uh, constantly choosing the path of growth. I'm. I wouldn't say that I'm very good at being it right now, but I'm certainly being put through the ringer with that choice. But the card, if I had to pick a card that I'm embodying right now, I would say that it is the queen of wands. Um, Because on a personal level, I'm doing a lot of work embodying my fire, more fiery aspects, that more primal energy. Um, I am a Scorpio sun with a Sagittarius rising, and I've never really resonated with that Sagittarius rising. Um, but I'm trying, you know, I recently had, it explained to me that, you know, your, your rising sign is sort of like the the ship that you go through life with and uh if that's the case you know and i don't if that's the case for me where it's like the ship that i go through life is this fiery thing and i don't feel particularly aligned with my fire energy then you know am i it just feels it felt like something that i should be able i should know a little bit more about right i should feel that primal energy a little bit more before I was like, yeah, that Sagittarius thing I don't really resonate with. So I've been really working to, um, get to know my fire aspects a lot better on a personal level. And then on a sort of more external level, the queen of wands is a figure so in contact with their own power. And that's what I'm trying to do with Days Tarot, is get people in contact with their own power. And, and the queens are these great facilitators. Um, so that's sort of the mission of, of my work with Days Tarot, is, is very Queen of Wands.
0: Yeah, when you said Queen of Wands, I was like, that checks out, that feels right for you. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to ask you the last question that I always ask on this show, which is what does living open mean to you? What comes up when you hear that?
1: So for me, this might sound a little counterintuitive maybe, but it's this feeling of like, opening up all the doors inside you all the places that you've hidden away your power and all the places that you've hidden away your knowledge and your intuition and opening up all those doors where your magic is hidden and letting it fill you up so it's it's like a it's from the inside out opening up of your possibility
0: Mm, yes that feels Really good to hear. (laughs) Um, Can you share with everyone where they can find you, follow you, um, anything you have going on right now, all of those
1: good things? Yeah. So I can be found on Instagram. Uh, It is at the.days.i. I I can be found on the internet at daysitaro.com. And uh, if this does indeed release in October, um, then I will be having uh, some really awesome upcoming opportunities for people to work with me. Obviously, they can always work with me for a tarot reading, um, but I will also be rolling out my Samhain season Soul Magic sessions, as well as a new three-month mentorship program where we will dive deep into the tools that it takes to reimagine your magic and how it can operate and be shared with the world.
0: Thank you. I feel like I just got a very cool sneak preview of what's coming up for you. (laughs) Yeah, some big stuff. So (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much Lex for being here. This was really fun. Yeah. Thank you so much i had a great time this is another interview that i recorded when i was visiting my family this summer so i forgot to tell you at the beginning but the phone ringing in the background that was me because of course i forgot that my parents have a landline phone which is so funny because my mom is always like literally no one calls it except for telemarketers and my grandma but anyways (laughs) it also feels um kind of healing in a way for my inner child to be having these kinds of empowering conversations about witchcraft and sex and cultural somatics and healing and all of these kinds of conversations when I'm um at home with my family. So thanks for being here. Um, It really means so much to hear from you, to hear how this show has helped you and supported you. I really love engaging with you over on Instagram. So definitely feel free to share this episode on your story, tag me, message me, let me know what you liked about it. Um, And if you really enjoyed this episode and if you really enjoy the show, I would really appreciate, really, so many ratings. (laughs) I would really appreciate if you would rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. If you don't have time, you can just tap five stars. You don't have to write anything, Um, but really it's a beautiful way to be in exchange with the show. Ratings and reviews mean a lot to podcasters like me, so thank you in advance for your support. And I'll be back on Monday with another interview for you, so stay tuned. Please remember to check out those links that I'm going to be sharing in the description for Indigenous Peoples Day, and also, you know, it doesn't need to be a holiday for us to uplift and support Indigenous people and organizations. That should just be happening all the time. Um, But today is a really good reminder, and um, if you haven't been doing that already, a reminder to begin. So see you next week for another episode, and I hope you have a beautiful week.